This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russian troops retreated from Liman, a key logistics hub in Donetsk, hours after Ukrainian forces entered the city. Ukraine said the recapture would allow its military to advance into Luhansk, a region Russia took over in July. The retreat comes after Vladimir Putin's illegal annexation of four regions of Ukraine, including Donetsk and Luhansk. Ramzan Kadyrov, the leader of Chechnya, a southern Russian region, urged Mr. Putin to take more drastic measures, including, quote, the use of low-yield nuclear weapons. Brazilians started voting in the country's presidential election. The populist incumbent, Jair Bolsonaro, is seeking a second term, but most polls show that he should be defeated by leftist ex-president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Campaigning was acrimonious and occasionally violent. If Lula gains over 50% of the votes, he would win outright, avoiding the necessity of a second round of voting. The Indonesian authorities said that at least 125 people had been killed and 320 injured in a stampede after a football match in Indonesia. Earlier, local officials had put the death toll at 174. Supporters of Arema FC, a club from Malang, East Java, rushed onto the pitch after their team lost to regional rivals Persebaya Surabaya. Local police retaliated with tear gas, which triggered a stampede, according to the region's police chief. Fixtures in the league have been suspended until an investigation is completed. Liz Truss acknowledged that her government should have laid the ground better for her mini-budget on September 23rd. The extensive tax cuts provoked a panic on the money markets and a run on the pound. Britain's Prime Minister was answering questions in an interview on the eve of her Conservative Party's annual conference. She nonetheless stood by the cuts and her general economic policy. The death toll from Hurricane Ian continued to rise as it moved into Virginia. At least 54 people have died so far, almost all of them in Florida. Hundreds of thousands of Americans are without power. President Joe Biden will visit Florida on Wednesday to survey the damage there. Ian is expected to dissipate by Sunday morning. A landmark Chinese Me Too case was settled on the eve of a highly anticipated court hearing in the American state of Minnesota. A Chinese student, Lu Jingyao, had accused Lu Chengdong, no relation, the billionaire founder of JD.com, China's biggest online retailer, of sexually assaulting her in 2018, when she was a student at the University of Minnesota. The two parties' lawyers said that the incident that took place had, quote, resulted in a misunderstanding. And Ibrahim Traore, an army captain who staged a coup in Burkina Faso on Friday, has reportedly accepted the conditional surrender of President Paul-Henri Damiba in order to avoid further bloodshed. Mr. Traore said order was being restored on the streets after violent attacks on the French embassy. The French army was accused of sheltering Mr. Damiba. France denied the claims. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Ukrainian answer to annexation. 
The people of Donetsk are becoming our citizens forever, boasted Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, as he annexed large chunks of Ukraine on Friday. A day later, Ukraine's army exposed the hollowness of that claim by recapturing a key city in the province. Liman was fully cleared of Russian troops shortly after midday on Sunday, said Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, in a video message. Russia, naturally, refused to acknowledge the retreat, describing it euphemistically as a move to, quote, more advantageous positions. Its troops are thought to be establishing a new defensive line in the east, running from Troyetska in the north to Svatove in the south. Despite Mr. Putin's threats to use nuclear weapons to protect Russian territory, including the newly annexed provinces, Ukraine's army shows no sign of stopping its advance. Its next target may be Kremina, a town which lies 17 miles, 30 kilometers, east of Liman. There were more Ukrainian flags in the Donbass this week, noted Mr. Zelensky. There will be even more next week. Liz Truss's Party Conference from Hell The Conservative Party's annual conference begins in earnest on Monday. It ought to have been a victory lap for Liz Truss, who was elected the new leader barely a month ago. Instead, Britain's Prime Minister is engulfed in recriminations after a bungled mini-budget spooked investors. The party's popularity has consequently imploded. A succession of polls show that the opposition Labour Party has opened leads in excess of 20 points over the Tories. Ms. Truss's disapproval rating is worse even than her predecessor Boris Johnson at his lowest, according to Opinion, a pollster. Dismay over Ms. Truss's mini-budget surfaced again on Sunday. Michael Gove, a veteran former minister, declared her tax cuts for high earners risky and, quote, a display of the wrong values. Far from a dynamic fresh start, Ms. Truss's premiership looks like a continuation of the gridlock and infighting that has characterized all Tory governments in Britain since the Brexit vote of 2016. The Supreme Court back in action. On Monday, America's justices, including a new jurist, Katanji Brown-Jackson, returned to the bench. The term ahead could be as seismic as the last, when the Supreme Court revolutionized the law on guns, religion, environmental regulation, and, most notoriously, abortion. The first oral argument, a dispute over the reach of the Clean Water Act, pits a couple wanting to build a home near a lake in Idaho against the Environmental Protection Agency. Other cases will touch on flashpoints in American politics. On Tuesday, the court asks whether Alabama's congressional map, which two lower courts found to be racially discriminatory, violates Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. On October 31st, the court reconsiders its 44-year-old precedent permitting the consideration of race in university admissions. And later in the autumn, state constitutional limits on partisan gerrymandering will be on the chopping block and a website designer will argue she has a free speech right, Colorado's anti-discrimination law notwithstanding, to make websites for straight but not gay weddings. Nothing too controversial, then. Japanese Politics and the Ghost of Abe Shinzo 
the ghost of Abe Shinzo continues to haunt his successor's government. Last week's state funeral for the slain former prime minister was unpopular owing to Abe's controversial legacy, including his attempts to revise the pacifist constitution. Kishida Fumio's approval ratings sagged the longer he defended it. On Monday, Mr. Kishida faces another ruckus, an extraordinary parliamentary session during which the opposition will probe the ruling Liberal Democratic Party's links with the Unification Church, a cult-like religious group. Abe's assassination uncovered links between the LDP and the church, to which Abe himself was connected. The killer's mother had joined the church, donating large sums of money until his family went bankrupt. An internal survey conducted by the LDP in late August revealed that nearly half of its 379 lawmakers had links to the church, from receiving campaign support to attending its events. For Mr. Kishida's part, he will try to use the session to refocus attention on his signature new capitalism agenda. Building the Human Placenta on a Microchip The placenta bonds mother and baby and exists only in gestation. The temporary organ gives the fetus nutrition and oxygen while shielding it from infection, but it can also play a role in infants' deaths. Placental malaria, for instance, kills 200,000 newborns and 10,000 mothers annually by clogging up placental blood vessels. To better understand this pathology, researchers have developed the placenta on a chip, described in the mid-September issue of the journal Scientific Reports. They cultured placental cells and umbilical cord cells on opposite ends of a microchip to resemble the placental interface. Then they incubated the chip, rocking it gently to push malaria-infected blood through it in both directions. Tests revealed that the flow of glucose was inhibited in the same way that would be expected in a real placenta. While not a perfect substitute, chips like this one could finally reveal the mysteries of the placenta and protect it from diseases and harmful drugs, just as it protected each of us. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which device for protecting buildings is generally held to have been invented by Benjamin Franklin? Finally, here's the quote of the day, from William Morris, who died on this day in 1896. Have nothing in your houses that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app 
to start listening.